Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. There are so many imposters who pretend to know the way to heaven and to proclaim they're the ones who will get you there. But there's only one. And in all of our readings today, they proclaim the one who will. And that's the one we will always proclaim here too. Jesus Christ, the only Savior of the world. Order of service is found in your worship folder and on screen. At this time, let's begin with our opening hymn, Christ is our Cornerstone. Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts words and actions. I have sought my own way instead of relying on Christ alone. So often I have looked to the foolish ways of you and disregarded the truth of your word. I have selfishly lived for myself instead of for Christ our cornerstone and bringer of everlasting life. Lord have mercy on me, a sinner. Our Heavenly Father sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from our unfaithfulness. We are God's own people, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have become the living stones of God's own spiritual house. Brothers and sisters, your sins are forgiven. Be at peace.
Lord be with you. And let us pray. O God, you form the minds of your faithful people into a single will. Make us love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the many changes of this world, our hearts may ever yearn for the lasting joys of heaven. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Only Jesus, only Jesus is the way to heaven. Only Jesus' name is the one that will save. Peter was preaching that from very, very early on. And that's been the message of the Christian church throughout, the world's one Savior. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Service continues with the duet.
second lesson serves as a basis for the sermon from 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Gospel is from John 14, and Jesus himself taught the very same message. We read, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn. In the name of the only Savior, Jesus Christ, dear fellow believers. It's an ominous phrase, and I even think a painful phrase, and often when people say it, it's, uh, it's really almost a complaint. 
I'm stuck. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're, they're expressing that there are only two options here, and neither one is a good one, and it's just not going to turn out well either way it goes. The phrase comes from the early 1900s, and I think I even visited the cave. It, it comes from Bisbee, Arizona, where miners were working in the early 1900s. They were mining copper, and the miners were just upset. The working conditions were awful and terrible. It, it, the, the air was affecting their lives, and so they demanded better working conditions. The owners of the mine refused. Well, now what? Now what do the miners do? Do they go back into the mine and face the rock? Or do they quit? Do they enter unemployment? Do they go into poverty, lose a paycheck, and not be able to support their family? Which would be a very hard place to be. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. Actually, the Apostle Peter knew about that too. Peter had been between a rock and a hard place as well. There was a time in, in northern Israel when Jesus took his disciples on a little trip and he spelled out for them, look, you guys, as my ministry nears its end, I'm going to head to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and a few days later I'm going to rise again. And Peter pulls Jesus aside and he says, never! That will never happen to you! as if Peter is going to prevent this from happening. He saw that, what Jesus just said, he saw that as a terrible rock, one that should not be faced. And then Jesus immediately, without skipping a beat, looks at Peter and really tells Peter, look, Peter, you're in a hard place here because you've switched sides. Get behind me, Satan. You don't even mind the things of God but the things of men. Peter, you've teamed up with the enemy here. You're in the worst place you possibly can be. And in that instance, Peter had tripped and fallen flat on his face. I want to spell that out for you this morning, that Peter wrote this section of the Bible. He wrote this letter. And this is somebody who understands what it's like to face the rock. This is somebody who understands what it's like to be in a hard place. And this is somebody who understands very well what it means to trip and fall flat on your face. He gets all of those things. And now as he writes this letter, he's turned this whole scenario to you and to your attention. Because now it's your turn. And so he says from the very onset of the text, as you come to him. So now you're approaching him. It's as if you're in this scenario. As you come to him, and he's talking about Jesus Christ, but now he says a, a unique term. He says, as you come to the living stone. Of course, living means alive. Stone certainly emphasizes something that has power. In, in the context, this is something massive, and it's something that gives shape to the whole rest of the building. You're going to hear the term cornerstone and keystone coming up. But... This is a unique phrase. I mean, I don't know Disney stuff all that well, but I don't think there's an animated stone that's really popular in the whole Disney realm. A creature like that, it's, it's kind of a strange combination. Living and stone. If anything, it causes our reason to stumble a little bit when you think about this. Because it's emphasizing you need this more than milk. You need Jesus more than you need air. You need Jesus more than you need your paycheck. You need Jesus more than you need friends in life. And when you start thinking about it, you start asking the questions. Is this, is this true? Do, is he really that important? Do I really need somebody who lived 2,000 years ago, who was a Jew, who died on a cross? What a horrific way to go out. That person is really so practical and applicable to me every single moment of my life today. And it's almost an offense to our reason, just like it was Peter, where, where we're sitting here saying almost mentally, never, this just can't be the case. But it is. And God has this fascinating way of putting things together that stump and confound our reason 
whether Jesus is true God and true man in one person, it just doesn't make sense to us. But he takes these things and he does the impossible and makes even the impossible, what, what would be for us finding our own salvation, he makes it real and legitimate in this living stone. And so as you're coming to him, do you know what we're doing? We're doing what people from the past have done too. We're sizing him up. We're kind of checking him out. We're, we're looking at his dimensions. We're seeing whether he's really the one we want to invest our time in. Is he really worth the investment of our offerings and our money? And, and so we're looking at what really is this for me? Am, am I going to select this one and use it for my purposes in life or not? Is this stone going to be precious to me or not? And Peter tells you what people of the past did. After sizing Jesus up and checking him out, you know what they did? They rejected him. Not good enough. We want something else. We want something different. We're going to go our own way. And before you fall into that trap, Peter spells out for you what God thinks of this living stone. God said in the Old Testament, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Even though people rejected Jesus, God selected him and him alone. God chose him. God saw this stone is precious over all of the others. And God set this stone in place. He said he placed a stone in Zion. Zion is a, is a term for a section of where the temple was or, or a section of Jerusalem. But it's also a picture of the heavenly Jerusalem. And so when you think about this, God set this in place, really a stone that connects earth all the way to heaven. And he builds people into this, in this incredible building that goes from this world into the next. Isn't that what Jesus was really getting at too in the John chapter 14? I will go there and I will come back to take you to be with me that you may be where I am. He's the connection between this world and the next. Which means he's critically important. Without Jesus, this building doesn't exist. When we went over to Israel in January, something stood out again even more than the first trip. The name of Jesus, obviously, is, you just hear it all over the place. And so that's the most prominent name. But the second most prominent name you hear on the trip to Israel is King Herod. His fingerprints are all over. He, he did phenomenal buildings in Caesarea Maritima, aqueducts, um, amphitheaters, his palace, other buildings, uh, a hippodrome. He built and restored the temple, redid the whole thing. He did Masada, and he had all kinds of other things going on all at the same time as well. And, and you know what Herod's favorite architectural feature was to make all of this happen? The arch. And, and I think Peter understood this. If you want to make a stairway, a stone stairway, you use an arch and the stairs go up. And if you want to make the stairs go really tall, you do a double arch, an arch on top of an arch. And so arches are all over the place. You want to move water 17 miles from one place to the next, use arches and then put the water runway on top of that and call it an aqueduct. You want to build an amphitheater and you want to have big seating in the back, um, arch after arch after arch. In fact, under the whole temple mount, that whole temple mount is arches buried underneath. It's supporting the entire thing. Arches are essential to that whole area. And I think Peter understood that. Massive stones, massive buildings, incredible, incredible feats. So are you. What King Herod did, most uh, maybe that's strong. A lot of what he did has withstood the test of time. And it's fascinating to see. You will withstand the test of time. 
and you will see it. What Jesus does for you in sending the Holy Spirit is he sent his spirit into a world of sinners, people like you and me, who have mined our entire lives away at sin. And we've chipped away at it. Every day of our lives, we haven't stopped being sinners. And yet the Holy Spirit, sent by Jesus, has come into our hearts to breathe fresh air into our lives and to bring us out of this by faith to turn to the one living stone and build us on him. Do you understand now where the Spirit does that? You're not stuck. This is not a no-win scenario any longer. As you turn in faith to the living stone and you see him and what he's done for you, you're not stuck at all. You're freed. You're forgiven. And you need to understand again the one who wrote this to you. This is Peter who mulled off so many times. This is Peter who had the audacity to go up to his Lord Jesus and say, never, you're not going to go to the cross. I know better than you. Hey, we've been there. This is Peter who on the night that Jesus probably could have used a friend the most, this is Peter who called down curses and soiled his own tongue and mouth and sputtered these things out of his mouth and said, no way, I am not that man's disciple. Have you been there in life too? This is Peter who even into the early Christian church kind of messed some things up at one of the congregations and gave some false impressions and led a number of people astray. Been there too? This is Peter with the boldness and confidence of faith in Jesus Christ and what Jesus has built him into. And who Jesus is as his Savior, that he has the boldness to trust and then to say to the entire Christian church today, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Do you know what it means to be put to shame? It means to be disillusioned, that the promises weren't good enough. It means that at the end of your life, you'd be disappointed. The one who trusts in him will never be disappointed, will never be disillusioned, will never be put to shame. I can't say that about my phone. I can't say that about modern technology. I can't say that about my car. I can't say that to people about their marriages, that they'll never be disillusioned. I can't say that to you about your health. I can't say that about your bank today. I can't say that your friends will never betray you. In fact, we have these sayings in life about never say never. And in pre-marriage class, I teach people, as you're getting to know each other and you go through marriage, don't use terms like never and always. I always do the dishes. You never help. Don't say that kind of stuff because you're boxing the other person into a corner and, and what you're saying is something that likely you can't guarantee. Do you really always do the dishes? Do you always do the wash? Probably not. But God boxes himself into his own corner here. And God promises something only he can guarantee. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's not true for unbelievers. For those who reject his grace, it's a very different scenario. Peter says, to those who do not believe, the living stone is a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Uh, this last January, we were floating in the Dead Sea. And why floating? Because you don't swim in the Dead Sea. You float. We were floating in the Dead Sea, and we had a, a nice group of maybe 10 to 15 people that were in the Dead Sea. Uh, but one of the people that came out didn't realize there was this massive stone underwater. You couldn't see it. It was probably 15 to 20 feet wide, and it was several feet long. And it was even awkward to walk over it, just jagged over the top of it. But you couldn't see any of it. And this person misjudged it, and as they were trying to get over it, oh, they tripped and fell. They scraped their, their leg from the knee down on one side. Uh, I mean, not terribly serious, but serious enough. Now, remind you, 
when you go swi uh, swim, when you float in the Dead Sea, they tell you that morning, don't even shave. You don't want the smallest nick on your body because if you go in the Dead Sea with even a small cut, you're going to feel it. It's going to sting. So here this person scrapes one of, their, one of their legs from the knee down, and it's bloody. And, and certainly that would have been painful in and of itself. But then to have that immediate reaction of all that salt in the wound, I can't imagine how that must have stung in those initial moments. Why do people reject grace? Why do people see Jesus, study him, evaluate him, and walk away and trip? Why do people think there's something better and that they need something different? Peter answers that. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is what they were destined for. Notice the subject throughout. They stumble, they disobey, which is what they were predestined for. They are the subject. They're the ones doing this. This is what a hard place looks like when the, heart, when the heart is hardened. This is the inevitable result. When somebody looks at Christ and they look at his word and they say, no, I know something better. I'm going to go my own way. I don't need you. I'm going to figure this out myself or whatever solution they come up with, that's on them. It's a self-inflicted wound. And mind you, it's going to sting forever. They're going to trip and stumble and some people get tripped up over that word destined. This is what they're destined for. Let me just explain. When a kid doesn't listen to their parents persistently over and over again, I can tell you what that kid is destined for. It's not going to go well. When somebody persists with alcohol and abusing it, I can tell you what that person is destined for. It is not going to go well. When somebody rejects the word of God and says they know better than Jesus and they're going to go their own way, I can tell you theologically, and God can tell you exactly what that's going to turn out to be. And it's not because that's what God wants. It doesn't say this is what they're predestined for. It says that's what their own sinful heart is going to make them stumble right into. Well, this is a big warning. Because it really is between a rock and a hard place. It's between the living stone and it's between the sinful nature. It's between the one who is so gracious with mankind and forgives sins and welcomes sinners and builds them into this incredible building and it's between people who want to stick with a hard place and go their own way. It's between Christ who establishes this incredible foundation on earth stretching all the way to heaven and will take you from this world to the next through faith in him. And, and on the other hand, you have people tripping right over him all the way right on down to hell. It's between a place where sins are forgiven and you will never know any shame for the things we have done because Christ has taken it completely away. And it's between another place where there's complete shame because our sins are on us and we're accountable for them. It's between the living stone and a hard place. What a miracle then that you're not stuck. That God by grace has built you into and onto Jesus Christ. You know who he is. You trust what he's done for you. And you know exactly how this is going to turn out. Worship him and treasure him all your days. Amen. Please stand. We join by confessing our Christian faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for prayer. Almighty and merciful God, on this glorious day, we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Increase our faith that the message of the empty tomb may fill our lives and make us glad each day. When we are weak, Remove the hurt of death from all who mourn. In moments of grief, call believers through the voice of our Good Shepherd and embolden us to follow his promises. In their hopelessness of despair, turn the faithless to trust in the only way, truth, and life. of kings and Lord of lords, destroy all dominion, authority, and power that stands against you, whether seen or unseen. Whatever evil exerts itself against your saving will, like false teaching or lukewarm faith, Satan's lies or worldly pleasures, empty worship or futile religion, rule it for the sake of the gospel's free course. Walk among our churches, O living one, as the faithful witness and firstborn from the dead. As your angels sent women with news of the risen Christ, call women in our church to announce he is risen. As you sent your disciples with the breath of the Spirit, call those in our church full of the Spirit and wisdom to administer the keys of the kingdom. Heavenly Father, keep the baptized united with your Son in his resurrection. Put to death the fleshly urges of those caught in addictions. Clothe in your righteousness anyone ashamed of good intentions which have fallen short. And assure those searching for purpose that their eternal identity as your dear children is sealed. Heavenly Father, when you built us by grace and our Lord Jesus, you built us to last, even beyond death. As the Kober family grieves Bob's passing, your gospel does not leave us empty-hearted. You fulfill your promises, and you've rescued our brother and brought him to your side. Please now stand by our side and support us in our time of need. We also ask on behalf of Joanne Ostring, this Wednesday she has surgery to address cancer. Lord, protect her and graciously see her through. Give her renewed health and strength to declare your praises. Hear us, Lord, as we now pray in silence. Lord of life, you have done mighty things for us. We pray through him who is the beginning and the end, Jesus Christ our Lord.
Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Special welcome to our guests and visitors. Love having you here. Please come worship the one Savior, the Lord Jesus, with us again. Just a few announcements for you. Uh, this week, or today, Bible study is going to be right here in the sanctuary. We have uh, some special presenters today, Emily and Jesse Ryder, representing Friends Network. They're going to talk about mission work in Southeast Asia. Very, very neat. So please stay for that. Love to have you. And then Tuesday is the funeral for Bob Kober that'll take place right here at 11 o'clock with a visitation beginning prior at 9.30. So there are other announcements that are important too in the worship folder if you want to check those out as well. Any other announcements to be mentioned for today then or the week ahead? Not seeing any? Please greet one another. God bless each and every one of you. Take care.